Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Sam Matterface. And to round the week off, myself and Alex Crook once again spoke about the rumours linking Jordan Henderson with a move to Saudi Arabia. We also speak to the England under-21 boss, Lee Carsby, who joined us exclusively to reflect on winning the European Championships. And former West Ham coach Mark Warburton discussed his future after departing the club following the Europa Conference League victory. Good morning, Alex. You all right? I'm good. How are you? We recovered uh, from uh, last night's exertions. We went to Brick Lane for a curry, didn't we? It was uh, a new experience for you. You've never done that before? It was distinctly average, the food, was it? wasn't it? The company was very good, but the food, Crikey. not so much. It's a little bit of a slur. That was good fun. Um, look, this Jordan, uh, sto- uh, Jordan Henderson story isn't exactly great fun. It was hurtling along yesterday. And I must admit, I mean, we were talking yesterday afternoon. I had mm. to put the brakes on some of the discussions that we were planning to have. Because as we stand in this moment of time, as far as I understand it, nothing has been agreed. The Saudi club, El Etifak, have offered the Liverpool captain a deal. And he is yet to respond. Is that how you understand it? Yeah, I, th- I think so. There have been some reports that he's verbally accepted the proposal. I-, I think as we sit here on Friday morning, that potentially is going a bit too strong. And, and it's interesting, you-, you use the word preemptive there. And I think there is a lot of that. And I, I think I- I'm not necessarily against it. I think if Jordan Henderson uh, needs to be made aware of the depth of feeling from Liverpool fans and from certain sections of their support base then maybe that's a positive if that is going to play a part in his decision. But I made the point on breakfast this morning. I think the the idea that he turned up for showdown talks yesterday with Jurgen Klopp and would make an immediate decision on such a life-changing move is fanciful in the extreme. This is not something that Jordan Henderson will enter into lightly. 
clearly there are 700,000 reasons why he would make the move, but I think there are many reasons why he might stay as well. It's interesting because uh, that's the reason, I think, why yesterday when you were being pushed to confirm the story that he'd agreed the deal, you refused to do it. I was with you when that was happening. And you were saying that it isn't sources. You were calling sources. You were speaking to people on the ground in Liverpool. And you were saying, hold your horses. It isn't done yet. Yeah. And I think it's important, particularly a transfer of this enormity with, with all the social issues that are attached to it, but also the fact that it would be a game changer just in terms of the profile of player that is going to make the move to Saudi Arabia. I do think it's an increasing problem for European clubs and for UEFA themselves. If more and more stars who would usually be plying their trade in the Champions League end up in Saudi Arabia, clearly from a marketing perspective, that's going to damage the project. And I don't think... Damage the product, rather. I don't think that UEFA and many of these European superpowers necessarily expected this to be the direction of travel. We thought it would be veteran players at the end of their career chasing one final payday not the Liverpool captain I think what worries me a little bit is that I wonder whether or not there needs to be a little bit more caution with this rush to judgement it's not the same as a Deli Alley situation but in, in terms of rushing to judgement and deciding that something is to be criticised before we know the full truth of the situation I think that's a little bit unfair I heard a, a clip of a clip in the news just moments ago suggesting that it, it would it, they were questioning uh, someone was questioning the honesty of mm. the Liverpool captain about his feelings depth of feeling towards those uh, supporters uh, from the LGBTQI plus uh, groups suggesting that there was some sort of uh, issue in terms of his allyship we don't even know that he's going to go and play in Saudi Arabia yet so how can we question a guy's character when we don't know what his response is to an offer at the end of the day all that's happened at this moment in time is that someone's come along with a couple of bags full of cash put it on the table and said will you come and play for us he hasn't given an answer to that and until he does, I think it's very difficult to question his motives, bearing in mind we don't know whether he said yes. We've, I think we had one report yesterday of someone suggesting strongly that he'd taken the offer. And so far, as you understand it, it hasn't progressed further than the stage of the offer being made. No, and I think when, when they came in, they were hoping that they might be able to lure him on a, a free transfer or for a minimal fee. Clearly, he's somebody that Liverpool value much higher than that. So there's still those discussions to... To, to really be formalised between the two clubs as well. And who knows, if he does go, Jordan Henderson might believe that by being in Saudi Arabia, by being visible in that part of the world, that he might become a greater ally for those groups that he represents. I think once he's made the decision, we need to hear from Jordan Henderson, we need to hear his reasons, and he needs to be given the opportunity to put across his side if, of the story. If he decides... If he goes that Saudi Arabia is for him. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Right, what we got? What are we starting with? Well, only one place to start, isn't there? It's the story we've been speaking about for much of the morning. Jordan Henderson, will he stay? Will he go? No agreement, crucially, between the two clubs. But I think we can now say that Jordan Henderson is open to this move to Saudi Arabia. £700,000 a week on offer if Liverpool can agree a price. Looks like he will be following his former teammate Steven Gerrard to Saudi. And those calls from uh, various groups are only going to get louder. Yeah, um, so this has obviously taken a step forward in the last 24 hours. The meeting between him and Klopp obviously coming to a conclusion that actually there is there is probably something in it for him to go there. I am, I, I must admit, if he was to go, and I'm, I'm still saying if, because we don't know that it's definitely going to happen yet, he hasn't said that he's going, I, I'd want to hear 
his reasons for doing so. Mm. I'd be surprised. I, you know, listen, I, I don't begrudge any player making a decision based on their career, but bearing in mind his allyship uh, to the LG, L, LBGT community, then I... I would be surprised that it did if it didn't come into his thinking. So he may well have an explanation for it. And he may feel that by going to Saudi Arabia, he's actually in a stronger position to spread that message. So I think we have to we, we have to reserve complete judgment until we have heard his reasons. What we do know is that Liverpool aren't going to make this easy. They're certainly not going to let their captain leave on a free transfer. They're not going to let him leave for a minimal fee because I think they still believe he's someone who can have a massive influence in the dressing room it's going to take £20 million. So if they lose Jordan Henderson and Fabinho to Saudi Arabia, that leaves them with a massive hole in the midfield, which already already was in need of replenishment and, and reinforcement. Yeah, keep an eye on Moises Caicedo, somebody else that we've spoken a lot about over the course of this transfer window, mainly in regards to Chelsea. Maurizio Pochettino, a massive fan of the Brighton midfielder, but it's my understanding that if Henderson and indeed Fabinho do head for Saudi Arabia, then they would come into the conversation with regard to Caicedo it's not going to be an easy deal to do Brighton have been watching with interest the Declan Rice situation £105 million for him uh, and they believe that Caicedo is on a par with Declan Rice who is going to take a a big offer to prize him away they go on pre-season to America next week they're playing Chelsea ironically out in the States I think it's in Philadelphia and the plan at the moment is that Caicedo will be on the plane for that pre-season tour hard-edged hard-nosed hard to beat outspoken with White and Jordan at the end of the first half Palmer is showing some interest as well and it is going to be Palmer left footed deflected and England lead in the final Cole Palmer gives lift off to Lee Carsley's side. No one cares. No one cares how that went in. Absolutely brilliant. And Spain, in the seventh added minute, have the chance to equalise. Trapper bounces on his line. He yeah. saved it. And he saved the rebound. Love and England that. surely have won the European Championship in the most dramatic of fashion. Trafford mobbed by his teammate. What a moment for the England goalkeeper right at the end of the final. James Trafford, take a bow. You're listening to Matterface and Crook on TalkSport and there you heard that incredible moment from the last uh, weekend when the England under-21s won the European Championships. Uh, Crookie and uh, Darren Ambrose on commentary for TalkSport. All the games were live on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Uh, earlier this morning, before we came on air, we spoke to the victorious boss, uh, Lee Carsley, who gave his first interview since winning the trophy and I started by asking him how he felt a week on from becoming a European champion. It was a brilliant experience being away in total, uh, with the players, seeing them, seeing them grow, seeing them come together, and and ultimately seeing them performing in the in the biggest moments was the was the most pleasing bit. You know, you you always know that we've had the uh, the talent within the pathway. Sometimes we've we've uh, we've just not had that that ability to to turn up to them big tournaments and and show show the rest of Europe what what we're capable of. But um, you know, the, the the players deserve so much credit for. The way that they approached every every session, every challenge that they came up against, um, and, and more more pleasingly, the way that they stuck together. And, and Lee, just looking at some of the the standout performers, 
who really came of age during this tournament. I was most impressed with Levi Colwell. Do you see him as someone who can really make a charge now to try and get in the full England squad for next summer? I thought, you know, Le- Levi, along with, along with, God, you could go through the whole squad, was, you know, re- really represent, represented themselves really well. I think Levi um, obviously had a, uh, had a taste of what it feels like to be in the senior team or in and around the senior team with, you know, the, the, the chance to go and train with the squad as has as have um, quite a few of the players in the within the two year campaign and you know the the, the biggest thing now is that the that the players take that that form that they showed in the in the summer uh, through to the start of the season because ultimately you know if they're going to play for the senior team it's um, a lot of that is going to depend on how they do for their clubs um, at the start of the season what I thought was really fascinating, Lee, was that during the, the tournament itself, you play players in unfamiliar positions. Gomez is a deeper lion midfield player, somewhere where he hasn't played too often. Garner, right back. Gordon as a striker. Uh, but they all thrive. What what did you see that allowed you to do that? What was the reason behind it? As opposed to see him, seeing him in, in positions, I saw him as, you know, have they got the um, the, the profile and the, the attributes to, to, to play in them positions? And they all have. Uh, we try, we try and we try not to not be too um, restrictive on like playing in a in a certain position. It's more the role and the responsibility in the area of the pitch that they're in. So um, all of the players that you mentioned there are more than capable. You know they're all really good at football, which which helps. But that they've really they've all really got a really good uh, understanding tactically as well of, of of their role within that that area of the pitch. What was going through your head, Lee, when Spain were all? awarded that penalty in stoppage time. Obviously, James Trafford hadn't conceded a goal. Were you confident that he would come to England's rescue? To be honest with you, I started, I think I started laughing or, or smiling. I was just, because you, you've, you, you've sort of, you've seen this story so many times, haven't you, where you, you want to look and you can see the penalty in the last minute and you, you draw 1-1 one, one and then extra time and all the rest of it. And I could sort of see that that panning out. But the the way that the, the, the tournament's gone, um, it didn't surprise me that he, that he did save it because, you know, he's such a good goalkeeper um, and he's got such pride in keeping the ball out of the net. And I suppose the the most pleasing thing was, well, was the reaction of the second save. I thought the second save was probably better than the penalty save. And then the, you know, how, how quickly then they put pressure on the uh, on the player that, that uh, hit, hit the ball over the bar. So, um, yeah, not, not, not surprising, but, you know, I, I'm... You, you, we've got to give Spain so much credit because we were under so much pressure in the second half. We we didn't um, we didn't play with um, as much control as as we had done in, in previous games, and you know we um, you know in phys- physically as well. I thought we were um, you know we we were spent at that point, so it was a great relief when you know to see that ball going into into the stand after. As well as sort of propelling a lot of those young players into the limelight, this tournament really put you on the map as well. As a coach, Lee, where do you see your future now in the in in the aftermath of the tournament? You know, it's, it's important for me when you when you are in in development football that the, that the players come first, and, and you try and create an environment and an experience for the players to to express themselves at, at a good level. And that nothing changes for me. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like I've been propelled forward or backwards. So I'm just trying to do a good job, um, trying to create an environment and a and an atmosphere where the players can can excel, and and that's 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 my priority. Um, I'm I'm really lucky with the with the job that I do. I feel that I've got a, a really good understanding of not only the under 21s but the pathway in general. You know, the players that are coming through. I've had chance this season to to be on an under 15s camp and under 17s camp. So I've I've got um you know definitely invested in in what I'm doing, and you know that that's that's my priority. I I, um, I always try and yeah try and try and do a good job today as a, as opposed to worrying too much about the future. 
In the last six years, England have won the Under-17 World Cup, the Euro-19s twice, the Under-20 World Cup, and now the Under-21 European Championships. It's a great deal of success. One, what do you put that down to? And although senior success doesn't always follow such pathway success, how do you how do you see the senior team bridging that gap to success going forward? And do you think that the influence of the winning in the pathway and the age groups will help them do that? The level of coaching that the players receive now uh, at their clubs coming through, especially the academies, is um, you know from from Cat Four right the way up to Cat One is outstanding. There's some really really good top coaches, young coaches around as well that are that are putting hour, hour after hour into these players uh, and, and creating environments and, and technical programs that, you know, we, we see the fruit of as national coaches because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, development goes away, uh, goes on away from the environment that we're in, in terms of an international camp over 10 days or, or the two years that you've seen. So it's transferring that and, and creating players and, and as many players as we can for, for Gareth and Steve to to be able to choose for the for the national team and the senior team, and you know I I can only say from from the the short experience that I had out in Qatar that there's a massive difference between the under 21s winning the Euros and the the senior team winning the World Cup or the Euros as well. So, but that's that's all, all what we're, what we're trying to do is is create as many players for for Gareth and Steve to pick from to to enhance the, the chances of doing something. Because I think the fact that these players that are coming through have have played in. The last stages of tournaments can only can only benefit the national team. On the subject of the senior team, Delhi Ali was one of the key players when we reached the semi-finals back in 2018. You'll have been aware of his interview, very emotional interview with Gary Neville yesterday. What's your reaction to it? And do you think there's enough support for this type of addiction in football? What what you what you're seeing now is is players being a lot more you know, talking a lot more. Um, that they're a lot more open with with their with their struggles and what they're going through, and I think it's all about you know creating that environment at the clubs, especially where you know the the, the players feel like they've got someone to talk to. I know player support and and um, um, making sure that there is there is that that place where you can talk about what's what's going on and dealing with the pressures of of football and not only on the pitch but off the pitch as well. And um, you know it was it was sad to see um, it was sad to see that interview yesterday because you you know obviously Delhi's a a top player, but you you know you, you worry about these some of these younger players as well as as people rather than rather than players. And you know um, hopefully he's um, you know he's, he's in a better place now, and it'd be it'd be great to him do do well for Everton. Obviously a team that I still follow a lot. Finally, before we let you go, um, a quick word on your own future because success inevitably means that you've been linked with other jobs. Ireland's been mentioned. Premier League clubs have, have been mentioned. Do you have an ambition yourself to go on and be a manager in? The, the the men's game in a club sense, or, or do you see yourself as an international manager going forward? Like I said earlier, I've, ne- I've never really been one to make too many plans about too far ahead. The big thing for me was was doing a good job in the Euros. Um, it's great that we've won it, but you know the the two year the two year campaign. I feel like we've had a lot of success in terms of players going in and out of the senior team. I'm thinking about Connor and Mark Mark Gerhite as as two that have been involved with the 21s and Meal as well that have gone up. So. Yeah, my, my priority has always been um, making sure I can do a good job today and, and, and not worrying too much about the future. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard-to-beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. He's sent the ball to Pakatar, who's released Bowen, who's running through on goal. He shoots and scores and wins the Europa Conference League final for West Ham United in the last minute of the game. Declan Rice grabs the Conference League trophy, thrusts it into the Prague night, and West Ham celebrate under the green arch as the glitter is propelled into the night air. They are European trophy winners for the first time in a generation. Oh, what a night that was in Prague for West Ham United. A great night, a great week we spent there as well. Uh, but it will be a new look West Ham United next season with Declan Rice heading to Arsenal, uh, Paul Nevin and Mark Warburton leaving the coaching staff. I'm delighted to say that Mark Warburton joins us now. Uh, very good morning to you, Mark. Good morning to you. I hope you're all well. Yeah, all very good. What was it like being a part of that Conference League success uh, last yeah, season? A- and what did you put it down to? It was a magnificent experience for so many reasons in terms of um, the league form we'd been struggling, but European form was so consistent. I think 14 wins out of 15, which is a tremendous record. But then the final itself, that experience against a high-quality opponent and and the manner of the victory and the fan base and the reaction, it was a tremendous evening. With with that in mind, Mark, why did you feel like this was the opportunity to end your stay at West Ham? What was the thinking behind that? I think David and I have been friends for a long, long time, purely by chance. We used to vacation in the same resort, play a bit of golf, et cetera. Um, and it was a big decision, if I'm honest, to, to go to number two, not in terms of arrogance or any, any overconfidence, but from a case of I wanted to learn. I wanted to see the world-class players working with the likes of Declan and Lucas Paqueta and AF and that many others. I wanted to understand the financial implications of the Premier League and what it did. But I found it challenging, I think, in terms of that decision-making process. I'd never want to get to the point, if I'm honest, where that friendship was in any way endangered. So I thought it was the right thing to do to have a manly conversation and do the right thing to make sure that David and I remain close friends. Uh, So in which case, what is next for you? What do you want to do? I'm very keen on that. As I say, I think if you're a 40-year-old coach, being brutally honest, you can afford to 
make mistakes and you know, that's how you learn and you move forward in the game. When you're a bit older, you've got to choose wisely. I think there's no, there's no doubt for me that you've got to be flexible. You can't limit yourself to one territory or one particular role. You have to look at what how you might be able to apply your CV and your attributes. Um, so I'm I'm very able. I'd like a, I'd like a challenging role. I think my CV is fairly strong in terms of you know management. I've got a CV that includes technical director, academy directors at various levels, and I'm, and obviously got a business background as well. So I'd very much like an opportunity to to show what I can bring. But conscious also. So there's a lot of really good people not working. So you have to be very mindful and respectful of that fact. And you have to try and, I think, push yourself forward. Uh, one of the stars of that European success, of course, was Declan Rice. It's been dragging on, but we are expecting uh, him to be confirmed as an Arsenal player today. He will become the most expensive British player in football history. I know Stuart Pearce believes there's a lot more to come from Declan Rice. You've spent a bit of time coaching him. Do, do you go along with that? Are we, are we still to see the best of Declan Rice? Will he get even better at Arsenal? Absolutely. I think Stuart's spot on in, in his comments. I heard his comments. I just think, look at Declan, he turned 24. Um, a young man, How he, what he's had to deal with and how he copes with the, the pressure of his situation. Uh, he's an outstanding individual, both on and off the pitch. His playing ability is there for to see. And I think there will be so much more to come from Declan. Technically, tactically, physically, he's a powerful athlete. We're seeing that every time he plays. Um, I just think he's got so much more maturing to come in a good way. And he's a personality who will endear himself to the dressing room, to staff, players, fan base very, very quickly. So I'm really pleased for him. I'm sure the decision-making process, as you will agree, will have been a, a, le- a lengthy one. It's a huge call for him. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does next season. Uh, reports that he might play a little bit higher up for Mikel Arteta, um, maybe a little bit further forward. He's played as a defensive midfielder for West Ham. He's also played as a centre-back for West Ham. What is his best position? I think he'll he'll be keen. We saw examples at West Ham, you know, and in, in the European Conference routes that he's got the ability to burst forward with pace and power and finish with a plumb, really. Um, so he's got that in his locker. He's got the defensive screen. He reads situations and closes down so quickly, snaps into tackles, regains ball, and, and, and finds a, a you know a fellow teammate. So he's got that ability. At six foot three, or he could drop into a back four, airily strong, but so comfortable on the ball. So I think for me, he'll see himself as a six going into more of the attacking eight. Uh, he, he has that flexibility to play in any number of positions. And in terms of who may replace him as captain at West Ham, I spotted that Jared Bowen has been wearing the armband during pre-season. Does he have the leadership qualities required, do you believe? Yeah, I've got enormous respect for Jared as a as a person, you know, on and off the pitch. The way he conducts himself, his consistency, his performances, he finished the season very, very strongly, of course, culminating in the goal. Um, yeah, I was not saying surprised. I mean, as I said, I wouldn't say Jarrah's the loudest character, but he demands respect of his quality of his playing performances. So, yeah, I'll see how I'll watch that one closely and see how it develops in the early games. I just want to revisit your own career and going forward and what you're going to do next. And I don't know if this is uh, something that has affected you personally, but I noticed that there seems to be a trend for younger managers, arguably cheaper managers in the EFL. In, in the Premier League at this moment in time. Is there is there a danger that experienced managers who have been there, seen it, had the experiences that you've had, will find it harder to get jobs in the future because of that trend? I think that's a really good question. I, I think there is a definite trend. I think you can't sit and moan about it. You have to find a solution to it. I look around at people who are not, the likes of Chris Wilder, the likes of Dean Smith, Craig Shakespeare, but then I look at the likes of Gary O'Neill and the marvellous job he did at Bournemouth and he, he finds himself out, out of work. So, 
I think it's a very, very tough market for domestic people at the moment. I think the ownership groups, not in a critical way, ownership groups are changing. And with it, their their search field, their search criteria are changing as well. But I think from an experience point of view, it's very, very difficult to, to find the right role now. And they are few and far between. Hence my earlier comments, you've got to be prepared to look at other territories, overseas markets, different roles, to try and find that situation where you can offer, your, offer the attributes that you bring, you know, show, use your CV, shall we say. Do you think there's a hint of ageism in um, clubs' recruitment of coaches? No, I wouldn't go that far. That's a very strong term, but I think there's just a trend. Whether it's linked to directors of sporting directors in terms of their age, and that's not, please don't think it's a controversial comment, whether that's a a 42-year-old technical director coming in, for example, being reluctant to hire a 55-year-old manager, I don't know. I'm not saying that for one. I'm just trying to look for reasons. There's no Mm -hmm. doubt your question is very astute because there is a trend. Um, to go younger. Uh, there's obviously a trend to go for ex-players, which I fully understand, in terms of utilising their playing experience, the managers they've worked under, and bringing that into the managerial field themselves. I get that. I understand it fully. Um, but again, I think it's, there's a experience and knowledge and game understanding and working with people and man management. These are traits which take a long time to develop. And I don't think they should be overlooked too too quickly. And I guess the other element is the lack of British managers in the Premier League. You mentioned uh, Gary O'Neill, an up-and-coming young English manager. He's been replaced uh, by somebody from La Liga. How concerning for you is that? I think it is. I think it's more a case of, as I say, you can't bemoan it. You have to look at why and ask the right questions and what's the, the thoughts and the processes that go behind it. Gary did an excellent job. Had Gary really struggled and you say he finished the season just avoiding relegation by a goal difference and management looking for a change, I understand that. But I thought Gary did an excellent job, stepped into a difficult situation, showed a maturity, worked well. We obviously played against Bournemouth and you know, I looked at the, the work he was doing. I know Gary and his desire to advance in the game. So it was a really surprising one for me. And that, that, that one for me, I think, would have people should sit up and take notice because they have a young British coach learning his trade, doing very, very well in a position now to continue his education and now be denied that opportunity. So that was a concern for me, looking down from a problem, an older position, an older viewpoint. But I think we have to look and there's some really outstanding British coaches in the game who are not working. And you have to ask yourself why and what can be done to make sure that we capitalise upon their quality and their experience. Would you go and work abroad, maybe even go to, to Saudi Arabia? That seems to be a current trend as well. Yeah, it does. I think I can see why people are going there. I mean, the obvious financial situation is a clear calling card to many. Um, but I, I think for me, again, if, uh, go back to my earlier comment, if you're 40, 45, you can afford to make mistakes, try different experiences, learn from those mistakes and move forward. I think if, you, if you're older, which is the generation you're referring to, you've got to choose very wisely. You can't afford to go out of the country, for example, for 12, 15 months, see that it's wrong and attempt to come back. I think it'd be very, very hard indeed to then find a, a position that really challenges you and you enjoy. So, yes, I think you have to look at different markets. You have to look in Europe. You have to look overseas in North America. You have to look at what's happening in various territories. If you don't do that and you limit yourself, I think you really can struggle. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back next week to bring you the best of the show. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.